It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the FlowTrack Podcast. FlowTrackPodcast at gmail.com is our email address. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. You can watch the show at FlowTrack.org slash FlowTrackPodcast, although still no picture for you. Gordon, your background has stayed remarkably consistent throughout the last couple months. I commend you on that. I appreciate that. Well, I haven't been moving or building a shed or doing anything weird. I've just been sitting in this chair for 24-7 since the pandemic hit since post nca indoors i haven't left this chair it's starting to stink a bit so i have some inside info yesterday we almost got a recording from the shed lincoln was in the shed preparing to record but the wi-fi not good in the shed so he had to move back to his normal location but we almost got a shed recording yeah sometimes uh lincoln is tasked to be the guinea pig tester for his wife's artwork streams because his wife does like Instagram live chats and streams for artwork. And so Lincoln will go live on his own Instagram mm. just to see like if it, the connection works. Oh, I didn't and I happen to be on Instagram when he goes live and I quickly watch and he gets really frustrated. He's like, nope, nope, this isn't real. And he quickly like ends it because <laughs> he doesn't want people to see him doing some test. Right. He's like, why is Gordon watching me? What's his? Let's let's give him. Uh, let's shout out his Instagram handle so people can follow along at home with it. What's his? What's his handle? Because I want more people to be able to watch these, these Instagram lives. Do you know what his? Is his account protected or is it public? I don't know. How do you can you tell if someone is? I guess I could protected. try to follow him. I don't. I don't follow him on Instagram. I could follow him and see. Um, I'm surprised that he hasn't been recommended. Let's see Lincoln. Let's I see. mean, it's just Lincoln Strike. Oh yeah. Yeah, and it's it's public, so follow along, folks. Lincoln Strike, if you want to see him test out Instagram lives and go live for for four or five seconds, um, you can you can listen. Uh, Friday show, we're gonna cut right to the chase here. One one big story that we want to talk about. It's a an ongoing story, story that we have been talking about basically since the pandemic started. Uh, cutting of programs in the NCAA, but this was the first time, Gordon, we saw a power five running program get got cut uh minnesota men's uh indoor and outdoor it was announced yesterday got dropped there um keeping cross country but pretty pretty surprising news that we had another uh program and that it came from the power five um were you surprised shocked stunned or did you see something like this as inevitable? Well, I thought it was inevitable, but I still was surprised and shocked um, because it's just 
weird when you think of a program that had uh, memorable talent, right? It's not like some like random D3 school. No against D3. I'm a D3 athlete myself. But it's not like an NAIA, JUCO, D3, Huckleberry State type cancellation. It's like a real legit Power 5. Not that non-Power 5 schools or any those athletes are any different from Power 5, but when someone – you normally look at the Power 5 as the people who take the sport the most seriously because they invest the most money in it, right? They have the biggest facilities, the tracks, the locker rooms, all that stuff, the coaching staffs. So when they're willing to cut ties with track, you feel like it's free game for everyone to cut ties with track. And obviously we are extremely biased because we're a track podcast, not a basketball podcast as you know. Uh, but mm-hmm. – we're extremely biased, and when we see a track program get cut, it it's like it's like we get like it's like a WTF moment. WTF moments? Like, mm-hmm. are you kidding me? Ben Blankenship went there. Hassan Mead went there. You know, they've they've Obsali uh, just won a national title. Yeah. In the so people. we think about all that, but unfortunately, athletic departments don't think that way. They think more like a line item, right, or just like a bottom line number. And they don't have a relationship with the history of a program. They don't have a relationship with the history of the sport in general. Like, you know, like think about this. If um, let's pick a random school. That's big. Let's pick uh, University of Colorado. Let's say they had a sailing team. Mm -hmm. And you found out that the sailing team was cut. Would your mental emotion change at all? You'd be like, okay cool you don't you want to be like it's like not news right you wouldn't care that the colorado sailing team got cut it would be crazy if colorado had a sailing that's team more what i would be hung up on would be <laughs> where do they sail yeah but the point is when a sport that you don't follow gets cut it doesn't you don't like all right cool yeah or whatever uh so we have to recognize that we have a bias of like it affects us bigger than it affects the rest of the athletic world right? right um but it doesn't make it any better just because you know even though we have this bias it's still it sucks like it sucks to read ben Blankenship's statement he's pissed he sent out that statement i'm not sure if you want to read it on the pod what ben said yeah i can pull that up while you're talking for sure yeah so ben was basically very like fuck off type mo- reaction like this is bullshit um but I am a very uh, – I look at this whole situation when it started with random indoor programs getting cut and like Akron cutting and, you know, uh, wasn't it William & Mary cutting, you mm-hmm. know, now Minnesota. And I just look at – this is – we're just going down an athletic – we love our sport and we want it to grow and we want it to be – as important as NFL football, right? Because we care about it the same way we care about football because we are part of it. We know what it takes for these athletes to do what they do. Mm-hmm. We probably get more excited about Donovan Brazier breaking the American record than we will be about LeBron James scoring 50 points in a playoff game, right? Because we'll be like, what Donovan Brazier did is more impressive, right? Mm-hmm. But most people aren't going to even notice that Donovan Brazier did what he did. What I'm trying to get is, let's just be real. Athletic departments 
are trying to our business, right? The only stream of income comes from football and maybe basketball, but mainly football, right? I put maybe basketball because they do get a kickback from that March Madness tournament, whatever, but they make money from football, right? And then all they do is spend money by supporting men's wrestling, by supporting the soccer, women's soccer team, the men's soccer team, by supporting track, men's and women's. They are just losing money. That's By losing money, I'm not saying losing. They're just spending money, and they're not getting any return on investment. They have their Patreon in football that gets all the money, and then they have Patreon. the side hobbies that are just for fun. And, like, it's more about image. You know, it's about, like, hey, we care about this. We care about the – like, yes, there's so many positives, but there are zero financial positives in – any sport except for football. Well, some of it, I will interject to say, sometimes though, depending on how lean your budget is in cross country and track, and we've seen some of the budgets, they may not be losing as much money as some of the other sports because they're bringing in students. The scholarship numbers are relatively low. And if your budget is, I mean, we're seeing some of these budgets, Gordon, they're infinitesimal. Yeah. So if you're bringing in and you're, and that's attracting 20, 30 students to the, to, to a school, I don't know how much I don't know how much you're losing, especially relative to other Olympic sports. But, but I continue. feel like that argument I feel like that argument that's saying like, oh, you're attracting students to pay tuition. Athletic departments don't get don't make money by uh walk on giving a university full uh like tuition. Like the athletic department doesn't get money from the school because all their non varsity non scholarship athletes are paying for for books and paying for room and board like they're not getting that money well it's so the idea that like it's part and parcel is what i'm saying but i get your point i get your point all i'm saying is when we've seen the numbers they're really low they are low but they're still negative right that's the thing it's still yeah they're not spending 10 million dollars to run a cross-country program but they are spending more than zero Mm -hmm. right so there's less money at the end of the year than there was in the beginning year and it's paid for by football, right? Again, this is not me saying we need to get rid of all sports because, like, I want there to be track. I want there to be 350 track programs or 350 cross-country programs. Mm-hmm. That's my personal opinion. But if you're an athletic director and you have no emotional connection to men's soccer or no emotional connection to weight throws or long jump mm-hmm. or sailing – yeah. You're just going to look at it as a financial decision, right? And everyone's going to be like, yeah, but the assistant, assistant's stepson's coach is getting paid what we spend on going to Nutty Comb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't matter, though. They make money, so they're allowed to spend more money, right? Yeah, yeah. It's bullshit. It's all political and all that stuff. And basically what I'm trying to get to is an athletic director's wet dream is this. They have a football team. With 105 players. They have a basketball team with 15 players. So that's a total of 120 student athletes. Of football players and basketball players. And then what they do is. They match the 120 with 120 female athletes. By putting together a 15 athlete women's team. A 20 athlete cross country program. A 40 athlete indoor women's program. And a 40 athlete outdoor women's program. So think about this. They could have 
only have to spend it on one coach because you got to have probably the same coach, coach all three, XC, indoor and outdoor, plus a couple assistants. So you don't have to like have a women's soccer coach and a women's volleyball coach and a women's track coach. Just have one coach. Basically what I'm trying to say is if they had it their way, they would just have a football team and a basketball team and then an equal number of women's sports to balance out for Title IX reasons, and that'll be it. Because the more non-football players you add to an athletic program, the more money you spend. You lose. It's just... That's how it is. Mm-hmm. It sucks. Because the right decision would be, hey, maybe we should think about it. If our football team brings in $100 million... We shouldn't spend $120 million every year. Maybe we should spend a way to spend $25 million every year so we're profiting $75 million every year. So in 10 years, when all of a sudden there's a worldwide pandemic, oh, look, we have money to handle it. you know. But no, athletic departments, when they make $100 million, they spend $110 million, and they keep on doing that. And then when they get to the situation, they're like, We've had over billions of dollars of revenue, but guess what? We decided to have billions of dollars of expenses mm-hmm. when they could have had half the expense. Like we, that's the problem. Athletic departments just love to spend money because they think it's never going to end. Like, oh yeah, there's always a next year. Well, we'll get the next TV contract, and this is well. It's now also, we're here. It's also everybody's looking for the golden ticket, and maybe that doesn't apply specifically to Minnesota because they've obviously had successful football and basketball programs in the past, but to these smaller schools, they're all just angling to make that March Madness run, or they're all angling to move up in football and get competitive. And so the cuts aren't just simply a matter of, oh yeah, they're not making enough money. It's they want to invest big time into football and basketball in an effort to raise their profile of their school and of their athletic department as a whole. But then when you get to someone like Minnesota, where it's like, okay, they're already a power five. They're already in the big 10, which makes the most money of any conference. What's the reason behind it? Which is, which is interesting. Now I'm sure the assistant football coaches aren't paid what an sec assistant football coach is. So there's still, you know, money to be had around the margins um, but I was talking to someone this morning who is involved in a program that uh, has been cut, and their perspective is like it's not it's not one thing; it's a whole bunch of things kind of coming together, right? With the balancing of the books because of COVID, because of Title IX, because of all these things. You know, sometimes you have a situation where a sport isn't sponsored in that conference. Like, it's only sponsored by a few schools, so it just it makes financial sense to just, like, move it off um, and not have to deal with it. Again, that's more to the smaller schools. I have the Ben Blankenship uh, response, if you want me to read it here. Yeah. It says, the decision to cut the Gophers men's program is disappointing and disheartening, yet sadly not shocking. This decision doesn't reflect the real people who built this community. It only reflects the very few at the very top and their complete disconnect with the program, the athletes and the coaches. It's shameful and embarrassing for an administration with supposedly high – Highly educated adults not to seek help from their broader external network uh, when in need. No alums were contacted by administration in an effort to prevent this decision. The program was told today this decision was final and no fundraising would be allowed. Clearly, this was not 
or clearly this was, excuse me, a done deal made long ago by choice and not necessity because there's no doubt people would contribute to support this program. I'm proud of the community I was part of, but now I only represent my fellow athletes and the coaches who made this program a success. Never again will I represent the University of Minnesota as an institution. What a sham. And I did notice, Gordon, on the, the FAQs after this decision, it was like, well, what about fundraising? And they're like, no. And maybe that's because they've seen what other schools have done in regards to fundraising, and they want to just cut that off. Because the more recent program cuts – have come from schools, how they and they've just basically said, "We're not doing fundraising." I know you you want to try to raise a million dollars or two million dollars, but no. Well, because they probably think fundraising is a finite number, where eventually, like three years later, when you spend all the fundraising money, you're back where you started. Oh, we need to think about cutting it. You know, it delays them wanting to cut. I mean, the the whole problem. I mean, we we like to think about it narrowly, like. Track is, like, in the end, we got to realize, like, track is the most populated sport, like, in the NCAA, beside, behind ba- basketball. Like, I was looking at the numbers. I mean, there's over 300 track programs and over 300 mm-hmm. cross-country programs compared to being, like, there's only, like, 70 wrestling programs, right? So, I mean, it hurts whenever one person, when one leaves, like, when Delaware left, you kind of feel it. Maryland, mm-hmm. now with recently Akron, William & Mary minnesota it does suck but track is still like on a macro level still alive but the whole reason this is happening is because the business model of an athletic department was flawed from the start it's a make money with one product to pay for 90 percent of your non-revenue making product it's just like doesn't make any sense Mm -hmm. well right what are college sports is what people have to figure out and i'm not saying that to be overly sophisticated uh philosophical but is it is it like the high school model where the goal is we want to give as many kids an opportunity to participate in sports because it's something that our school is proud of or at the other end is it a professional model where we're going to emphasize and we're going to do the things that make a bunch of money and everything else can be relegated to the club status because I see the future here where I think you're right, where all these little schools are trying to be big schools. And I'm not talking about Minnesota right now because they're, they're power five. But let's just take those mid-majors. Akron is trying to be like a power five school, right? They want to invest money in football and, and, and get a bigger name. Michigan isn't trying to be Akron. Michigan isn't saying, hey, let's downsize. Let's scale back or let's be like William and Mary or let's be like all these other programs, right? It's all going in one direction. Everybody's trying to scale up. Nobody's trying to scale down. So what's going to happen? They're going to keep emphasizing a few sports and all the other ones are just basically going to turn into club sports. I I, I think is, is where this is headed, which as you've pointed out before, which has been a good point. One of your good points on the show, one of six or seven that I've been keeping track (laughs) This is going to completely, and it may not show up in this next 10 years or 15 years or 20 years, but at some point, this is going to show up in the developmental system in track and field and cross country because this is where athletes go to get support, to get coaching during their formative years. And if we move it out of that, it's going to take a a big adjustment because if everybody's just going and running on club and intramural teams 
at college because colleges have decided not to put the money into it. If NAU just decides, hell, we want, we want NAU to be able to compete with Arizona and Arizona State in football, and that's where we're putting our money. We are no longer putting it to men's cross country. The development system is going gonna, is gonna to eventually dry up, and it, it will move someplace else. It, it will, someone will fi- figure out a way to do it, but there will be a, a gap in a period of time there um, where the U.S. is not as competitive because that farm system isn't there. And if, if this trend keeps going, if we see programs start trickling away. Because like with, uh, with, with Minnesota and with these other programs, when you cut indoor and outdoor track, you're cutting cross country. Yeah. So you, the, the running program on the men's side is, is gone. Yeah. Is gone. Because what, what highly touted athlete is going to want to go, com- go to a Big Ten school to compete in just one season? No, they're going to want to be there running, yeah. running 5Ks, running for indoor, indoor titles and outdoor titles. You don't want to just – you don't want to disadvantage yourself and just run one season. Yeah, the men's teams can become like an intramural. We're like, all right. Yeah, where they – you might get one person who just – Finds a way to get in good, like, they're going to get, like, a 15-minute 5K guy who becomes, like, a 14-30 guy. Mm-hmm. And that will be, like, the best because, you know, he just happens to be, like, a healthy and shaped guy who wanted to go to University of Minnesota, walks on, and is having fun on a cross-country team, then runs a couple unattached races outdoors and indoors. But Also, a, a point that was brought up to me when I was talking to someone uh, er- earlier today about this issue, it, in a way, hurts the women's programs, too. Because part of that, we've grown up, I don't know how your high school track team or cross country team was, Gordon, but it was combined. Everybody was together. And I know some colleges diverge and do it differently, but that's a selling point to me. It's just one big family, yeah, men's and women's together. Now, not, not everybody likes that. Not everybody conducts their program in the same way. But if you only have one half of the program, if you only have one gender there competing, what message does that send to them about how much their school values cross country and track? Yeah. So it, it could end up hurt the, hurting the women's program as well too. Yeah. You talk about like, it's just when you say like they, they're the reason why they treat, I mean, say it, Gordon, say it. Well, like you say, like, like we need to realize that like our sport, like one one like good uh, thought I have is like football. People paying to watch football on TV and in stadiums is the reason why Couture Orgy is a medal contender at the Olympic level, right? Because there is no one who is going to spend. Hundreds of that would just thousands of dollars on an eighteen to twenty-two year old to fly across the country to jump six times in random invitationals, Arkansas invite, LSU invite, whatever. Like, and those four years from her age eighteen to twenty-two, where she developed to become what she is now, would not only happens when you compete for a university that brings in millions of dollars from the football program, i.e. Georgia, and then that money is spent 
on hiring someone like Petros who can then coach her mm-hmm. to greatness, right? Petros isn't going to do that for free, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the only way George is going to pay someone like Petros is if they have money to pay him and they have money to pay him because the football team yeah is yeah. going 6 and 6. You pre- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You brought up this good good slam there on Georgia football at the end there. Uh, yeah, you brought this up earlier with Grant Holloway. You, you said the yeah. same thing with, with Grant Holloway. You could go down the list. You could even say other countries because the NCAA isn't just a U.S. institution. You could talk about you know, Justin Knight. You could talk about Jordy Beamish. You could talk about Jessica Hall. You could talk about any number of athletes that, that are better now. There's more American and athletes. That's why- and that's why I think a lot of times first-year pro athletes or non or post-collegiate athletes, some of them aren't pro, have like they're brainwashed for four four to five years, thinking that their sport has this infrastructure, this economy around it where people get on planes and compete mm-hmm. four to five times a season, right, mm-hmm. and stay in hotels and everything's paid for, right? And you realize, oh, this is all being paid for because a football team is doing something. You know, that's the only yeah. reason they have this money to pay for my flight to Peyton Jordan or pay for my flight to Penn Relays. And then you go pro, pro in quotes, and then there's no football program funding a 23-year-old who's competing unattached, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, these post-collegiate athletes, they're like, okay, well, instead of LSU paying for everything, I'm now I'm going to think USATF is going to pay for everything. Yeah. And USATF isn't going to pay for everything because USATF is only going to give money to the Christian Taylors and the Great Holloways, the people who are making Olympic teams, right? Because in their mind, they think they don't have enough. I mean, they don't have – USATF doesn't have the NFL giving them money to pay. You know, that's basically what happened. Like, if we wanted our sport to continue, like, to have this infrastructure that's so great in the NCAA, you need the NFL – giving USATF money to then give to the athletes, you know, to travel. I wonder though, like what you could, this would be an impossible task, but like, how could you, if, if, is it even possible to make this sport self-sufficient, not to where they're making a ton of money, just to where they zero out, like what amount of, how much would you need to restrict travel? How much would you need to restrict roster size? How much would you need to ask for in sponsorships or, these sort of alumni donations that people have been talking about in terms of fundraising, like how, how much, how, how would the books need to look to get to a to, to get to balance out your sheets here to make it. So you aren't necessarily relying it now. Okay. You're using the facilities and you're paying code. Like that stuff, I guess is just, it's the number is going to get ridiculously high, but just, just assuming, um, the regular, the regular budget, right? You're not, you're not charging them for use of the weight room or things like that. Um, that's an in-kind donation. But I, but I, I, I wonder if people have honestly broken that down and taken a look at it because that it seems to be important information to have as we continue to, to see this, these sort of decisions being made. Well, the thing is you have to think about is you can't make the only way. I mean, obviously having more domestic meets helps because Going to Europe is expensive. Oh, I'm talking about right? college. I'm talking about college. Oh, college. Okay. Yeah, I'm saying. I'm saying. Look. Okay. So, all these alumni, the alums, theoretically, are all engaged, right? They want to be a part and they want to give back to their program. 
what's like a reasonable amount that they're willing to subsidize? What's a reasonable amount in terms of um, out, other outside sponsorships that colleges could get towards their specific programs if they went to that model? And how much could you cut the how much could you cut your roster and and travel to make it to where it's cl- somewhere close I, to zero? I feel like it has nothing to do with shrinking. It's like the idea that like oh cross country and track is so cheap. All you need is a pair of shoes and you're good. It's it's not about the price because cross country track is cheap already. It's about we only want to keep sports that make money, right? And any opportunity to get rid of something that doesn't make money, we're going to take, right? And we'll have a big power ranking list. What's of, the cost then, here, though? What's the cost of keeping something if it, if it doesn't cost you money? Well, it does cost money. Well, but you're saying it's not about the money. That's You're just saying get rid of it because it's sort of an, a but nuisance it's, is what so you're saying. Like, Say a, a program costs a million dollars to run, which isn't true, but say it's a million dollars or whatever. Yeah. Right? Making it, cutting it from a million to 500,000 isn't going to make. Uh, you're saying they just don't want to deal with it anymore. Is that what you're saying? They don't, they don't want to deal with losing, whether it's a million dollars, two million dollars, or $500,000, or $50,000. They don't want to lose money. They only want to have sports that make money, right? I mean,. Like I said, an athletic director, if they wanted it, they would get rid of every sport except for football and basketball and then have an equal number of athletes to match for Title IX reasons. And that would be the perfect, most economically efficient athletic department Mm -hmm. because you literally are reducing the number of non-revenue-generating athletes as possible, right? Not going to get that director's cup, though. People like that director's cup, man. But do they? I, I've heard athletic directors like it because it's just a way to uh, communicate. Or do they success. like being in the? They want to win. They want to win in the black. Yeah. Well, they want it. I I think the both, but I think in their industry, people want to get awards and recognition. Heck, your your documentary that you produced, "Running with the Boys," an intimate look at the NAU men's team, got nominated for an award. And at that point, I thought of you differently. So I mean, it can impact people. It's just like if you had a business, <laughs> if you had a business, and you had thirty employees. Right? Yes. And five of your employees you had you had thirty you had thirty employees and there are thirty there are thirty salesmen. Five of the salesmen every month came in and made you, you know, fifty thousand dollars a month. They're like, Hey, they just handed you a check for fifty thousand dollars every month. And these people like they're going out, I don't know what they're doing, maybe they're converting people to a religion or something, I don't know, but they're these five salesmen are going out and giving you $50,000 cash money. You're like, this is great. I'm making a lot of money, right? And you pay them a salary, but you're making money. And then the 25 employees are just coming to you every month and be like, I didn't make any sales, but here's my expenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I ordered lunch. I took the client out for lunch. I had to get on the flight. I stayed in a hotel for a few nights. No sales yet, but... You know, I'm your employee, so you got to pay for my expenses. You'll be like, what am I doing with these 25 employees? All they're doing is just spending money and not making me any money. You'll be like, maybe I should have a company of five employees and not a company of 30, right? And that's what it is with these sports. You have these 20, you have 30 sports. Maybe I should only have, but the reason they can't do that is because NCA puts rules where you have to have a minimum number of sports yeah, it's, sponsored. It's also, you have to have, it's also advertising though, too. It is also advertising. Their school. When they win stuff, people people see it. It adds credibility to a school. 
it adds prominence to school. But when they win, when they win stuff, I mean, there's only so many Oregon track programs, NAU cross country, like Colorado distance running, like that you can count on maybe your hands and toes, the number of like legacy programs out there. In the end, most of it, it's just, you know, I mean, no offense to my school. I love my school, Johns Hopkins. The women are freaking killing it. They've won, what, six of the past eight cross-country titles, right? They're like the most one of the most dominant D3 programs right now, right? Mm-hmm. And I went there, and I love the coach is great. Bobby Van Allen, love him. Great coach. But Johns Hopkins University's president, when the cross-country team wins something, he's not like, ooh, enrollment's going to go up. He's just like, oh, that's great. Cool. He looks at it like yeah. – as like a fraternity doing some great community service work. He's like, oh, it's great. Hey, it looks good. But it's not like, did you guys have oh, football? Oh, man. We had football, yeah. Your basketball? Our football teams, yeah, we have football. But it's all D3. Yeah. Lacrosse team is like our main. I mean, why do, they, why do they keep that stuff around? Why do they have any sports? Why does D3 have any sports? I think they have it because it looks good. Because sports attract, like, social interaction, right? Well, I, I, but I think when you're when you're 18 year old, you want to go to a school that has a sports team. Well, I think that's true even right. with us, and I and you'll laugh at this, but I think it's true even at P5 schools with regard to sports other than basketball and football. I think it makes the school look more legit. Like if a school literally did what you said, which could be inevitable anyway, but if a school right now legitimately did what you said, I think people would be like, well, wait, wait, what? Why are they why are they doing that? Like we, I think people like. As I said before, the difference between a high school approach and a college approach, I think people in some ways like the high schoolness of college, if that makes sense. And students are attracted to that in some way, shape, or form. I think, yes, subconsciously, it's like cool when like, oh, dude, the soccer team made it to the Final Four. Yeah, it's like fun. Yeah. You go to a volleyball game. I, don't know. I, think, I think it adds to student life. It's just it's like adding an, uh, a new part of the student union. It's like, oh, let's go check that out. Oh, cool. Look at this yeah. tiny thing. Well, the way, same way there is a theater program, right? Oh, let's go check out the student production of this musical. Yeah, and, and you're given tours on campus. Hey, what's going on over there? Oh, look, it's this. we have this vibrant student life. It's not just all, we're getting ready for Saturday and football, and then we go to class, and then it's football. Like, I think when we look at it just as a purely – there, there's ways to bring in money that way is is what I'm saying. Okay, I I, I concede. Boom. I would agree Gordon with concedes. you that that's the end of the day's show. <laughs> there are there, there are non football sports that are good marketing for student life. I agree with that. You're right on that. And in your case, it just so in your yeah. case, some of the students participate in those sports, right? Like the regular student body, because you had a small enough yeah. school, and the standards. I'm just assuming here. Yeah, like we're not as high as probably a D1 in terms of sports. It's not like someone doesn't show up to Ohio State and be like, maybe I'll check out the basketball team, see if I can make that team. But I'm sure with other sports in in lower profile schools, it brings people on who literally want to do it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's all complicated then because it's like, I think, who pays for Glee Club? That's student fees at most places, isn't it? It's part of your tuition. Party tuition? Yeah, that's what I'm guessing in most places. But like, 
is there is it but it, is it coming from like the endowment like so it's i guess it's coming from because i feel like university budgets are separate from athletic budgets no well let me just say this this is a long time ago when i was at oregon but like we paid us like an activity fee or whatever and we got into games for free football and basketball games for free because of the activity fee and there was like a, a movement on campus when i was there about like hey should we charge people because not everybody wants to go to the games and blah 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 blah. so at least then some it, it was part of the activity fee and i'm sure yeah. everything in the student union the club sports the outdoor club like you're talking about all that stuff got got funneled through that yeah i'm sure it's different schools. i guess it's just it's more expensive to run a women's lacrosse team than it is to run a glee club because a glee club yeah you just have the building on campus and they show up and they sing yeah. and they're done. Whereas a lacrosse team has to get on a plane or on a bus, spend nights in hotels and the budget's just an athletic budget is more it costs more to run an athletic team than it does to run a student group on campus. Just think about recruiting. Just think about how many times a coach leaves a campus to fly somewhere to recruit. Yeah. Be pre COVID. But that was that was a real cost. That's why I think you're right. It's not about just getting the balance sheet down to zero because they want to see things that are plus 10 million and plus 5 million and, and they want to see big numbers on that side. But I also think the first step is just to try to figure out how to lower costs, which means we'll probably see the end of one team going to three meets on a weekend, three different meets, having our pole vaulters go here, our distance runners go here, and our sprinters go there. I, I yeah. think we could see that ending. That never made sense. Well, and all the Northeast teams flying to Stanford and all the teams from here flying there. I think we could see smaller type competitions come back that are a lot more cost effective because everybody's now nervous. Everybody's looking over their shoulders now. They don't want to be they don't want to be on the chopping block. Yeah, but I also think that like in the end though, like that's small pen that's small beans. It's small pennies yeah. because like when a th- when a the cross country team cuts their budget by five percent you're saving the athletic department like thirty to. of not five percent. You're saving them like point one percent. You know, I know, but I'm just saying they all want to look good when they have their meeting, and they all want to say that they're doing everything they can to cut it, and they don't want to have some crazy weird expense. Wait, why'd you fly all the way to California with three people? Oh, it's because we needed to get our qualifying marks. It's like what? I mean, the it doesn't look good. Problem that. I'll- the problem that a lot of like track fans bring up is like, hey, you want to save money? Why are you paying the football head coach ten million dollars, right? But I think the problem is that that genie, when, that genie's out of the bottle, though. Yeah. That's not going. That's what I say. I don't think you can undo. You can't undo the money you've already spent, right? You're, yeah, with other sports, you can only control your own sport and figure out how to make it as. You want to be real quiet in the corner, real boring, really predictable. You don't want to raise any red flags. But what would happen if it's a Power Five? Let's let's pick it. What's a what's a Power Five school we could just like use as our example? A school in the Power me, Five? Yeah, give me one. Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Ooh, okay, this is a good. Okay, you're Oklahoma. You got a football team. You got a basketball team. They make some money. Let's just focus on the football team. This is a good. This is a crazy example because Oklahoma is really good in football, right? Mm-hmm. Every year they're running like ten games, and they they've drawn a lot. 
Mm-hmm. What would happen if Oklahoma said, all right, we are cutting all of our excess spending on the Oklahoma football team. So basically they fire all the coaches, buy them out, right? Start from f- fresh with the coaches, mm-hmm. right? Where they make the – they look at all the real estate. They sell real estate. Like they just basically <laughs> shrink everything that they need. They don't – they undo their subscriptions to Netflix in the weight room. Like they just like – they do – they cancel all the, the subscriptions. They yeah. – they just cut back on everything where they could cut back. So it's as they basically try to create the program to start from fresh on the cheapest budget possible. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Cause a lot of the infrastructure is already there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like the weight room already isn't weight room is already paid for. It's done. Mm-hmm. You don't need to buy more weights. What would happen now? Obviously you cut, you fire all the coaches, Right. And you hire like a high school coach who's making fifty thousand dollars a year, <laughs> right? The next yeah. Baker Mayfield isn't going to go there, right? But like you, you, you would probably start making money as an athletic department, no? Because yeah. the fans are still going to show up. Are they? That's Oklahoma? the question, right? Are they? Are they still going to show up? You're going to football, man. You're I, I. You're still going to get. T- so basically, you're saying. As long as there's a product, it doesn't matter how bad the product is, people will pay for You're it good. because it's yeah. out there. Now, they're not going to any bowl games, so they're losing out on on that on that sort of money. But you're saying what you cut. I mean, you They still get money yeah, though. When right. Big Twelve does well, yeah. you get a percentage of the money. Right? I think, yeah, the the worry is you'd eventually just become so bad that People would stop going to games. People would stop watching your team play. But what percentage is going to the games yeah. of their budget? It's the TV money. Right. You're right. Yeah, but even people if people stop watching on TV because they're they're so bad. You're right though. But if you have a if you have a, if you have a football that makes a hundred million dollars and you are spending eighty million dollars on football and you make a hundred million dollars and you're spending eighty million dollars and the rest of the twenty million is used on other sports. What if you were making $100 million but only spending $20 million? All of a sudden, you're just making bank. Mm-hmm. Well, and then you do that for like five years. So you suck for five years and you make – you basically create a new stockpile of money. And then you're like, all right, we replenished our, our funds. Now we can slowly hire a, a better coach – but not give them a billion dollar contract. Mm-hmm. You know, let's just give them, you know, let's be more. I like how you took a journey in this podcast. Friendly. First from football is the almighty powerful to now you're wondering if we zero out football, what would happen? I, I wonder if, it, if you did that across the board though, like you lit, like what if, what if the NCAA had something like a salary cap, but it was like a budget cap on how much you can spend on your school stadium. There was a number weight room, coaching staff, and it all had to be, publicly uh available basically if the ncaa policed the coaches and the universities the same way they police the athletes in terms of rules violations they did that and they said this is your budget you cannot go over it and it was half would people stop watching no because it's not like oh i'm only going to watch if it's (laughs) these the it's a very very expensive stadium i'm going to go to i'm not going to go to a a $500 million stadium. I'm only going to go to a $600 million stadium. Of course people would still watch and it would be leveled out. Yeah. 
I mean, the li- the libertarian in me is like against this idea because like sh- the free market should win, and if a school wants to spend all the money they can, they should be free to do what they want. And if a person is saying you can't spend more money, you're like, who are you to tell me? But you know, I wouldn't want to create a regulation committee for the sake of Olympic sports because I feel like that would be kind of anti-free market. No, no. And under my model, it's not for Olympic sports. It's just it's just a cap on football. You spend whatever you want and everything else. It's just a football yeah. cap. And then you go from there. I think it would work. Let us know your thoughts. <laughs> Flowtrackpodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Again, that was a journey. Uh, what do you... I, we didn't really talk much about Minnesota, but like, what do you... It sucks. What do you... Th- it's it's yeah. terrible. I mean, what are we supposed to... Like, it's you kind of feel just feel like you're there's nothing you can do, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that the it wasn't just a track that was impacted, it was a bunch of other sports as well, too. And I'm sure they're going to try to figure something out now. In the Big Ten, there's already programs in the Big Ten that don't sponsor track, so it's not like this is the first one in the Big Ten. Yeah. Northwest Northwestern men mm-hmm. don't exist, yeah. Uh, Maryland, mm-hmm. I think, men, yeah. yeah. So this isn't uncharted territory, but it is the first one since we've seen the wave of these things um, from COVID. So, yeah, it's it's terrible. And imagine you're an incoming freshman and you're going there and your transition to college has already been disrupted by COVID. And then you're basically told that you can only compete in one out of the, the, the three seasons that are available to you. I think it's... Uh, yeah, it's there, there, there's no way to there's no way about it other than it's like no one wants this to happen. This is a this is a bad situation all around. Coaching staff, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I mean, there are how many Power Five schools? Say fifty. Well, more than fifty, because I mean the Big Ten has what fourteen teams. Okay, yeah. say sixty, sixty Power Five schools. It's not like all right. Okay, this I don't want this to be taken the wrong right, way. Let's end the podcast. But like Minnesota, great school. Obviously, Ben Blankenship, Hassan Mead, uh, Ali won the twenty eighteen steeple. Uh, what sport? I mean, I we I think we all can agree if Oregon track got sixty five schools. Would, I looked it up. Sixty five. If or if Oregon track got dropped, that would be like the ultimate like yes whoa moment, right? Because they're like the pinnacle of image of our sport. Besides Oregon Track, what would be the one school if they dropped? You're like, holy shit! I mean, we're like, holy shit with Minnesota because it is Power Five. What what school would you think be like? You got to be like, you'd be like, this can't be real. Florida, USC, Stanford, Texas, schools like that. I don't think USC because USC and they didn't have indoor track for a while. Yeah, that's true. And they don't have cross. They don't have cross. Maybe I shouldn't have said USC. I, I'm just, I was thinking about very successful f- football programs that are making a lot of money, theoretically. Okay. So, okay, I'll go with Texas. Um, I'll go with Florida. School's on that tier. Yeah. Because then you're like, okay, you can't win your way out of this problem. You can't have a more successful football program and say okay we're gonna do it right yeah. like, like you can't be like if uh if alabama 
cuts cross country and track because they want to put more resources to football. Then we have to throw this whole thing out and reimagine everything. Stanford, a little bit different, but just because of the legacy of Stanford's program, it's close to Oregon level. I think, I think the one sport that if they dropped it besides Oregon track would be Colorado cross country. But going back to the – okay, you're, you're looking at it from a perspective of like prestige of that program and that program's importance to the current – Well, it's just like weird to be like, hey, Mark Wetmore, I know you've been here for like 40 years and you've been winning all the time, yeah. but like, sorry, we're done. Yeah. That'd be like – because he's like the ultimate legacy. I think he's the most legacy-based coach out there right now. You mean like the most legendary coach? Legendary. Like, leg, like yeah, legacy, legacy <laughs> legendary. But, like, he's the most, like, been in the same place for a long period sure, of time. Sure, sure. I was thinking of it more of which one is going to come from a program, a school that we thought was doing really well with the money. That's that's how I thought uh, of it. But, yes. You're, well, I was thinking from, like, how are we going to live in a world without a Colorado distance program? I mean, like, Wisconsin would be insane. Wisconsin, that would be – BYU yeah. would be crazy. Uh, Stanford, again, would be weird. Uh, distance programs, distance programs. Yeah, I mean, Vinland Anna just gets to Virginia, and then they're like, "Sorry, man." <laughs> that would be. You yeah. gotta go. But, all right, we'll leave it there. Flowcheckpodcast at gmail dot com. Let us know your thoughts. Write in. Do you agree with my idea about football salary caps? Do you agree with Gordon? One of Gordon's ideas. He had so many ideas. Do you agree with any one of them? Let us know. Uh, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you guys on Monday.